Hello, this is Peter Jonathan Robertson with the 89th edition of the PJ Archive. It's a phone interview I did with the multi-talented American singer-songwriter, dancer and actress, Irene Cara, who's best known for starring in the films Sparkle and Fame in 1976 and 1980 respectively and for co-writing and singing the theme to the 1983 movie Flashdance, for which she won an Oscar and a Grammy. Irene Cara sadly died in 2022 at the age of 63. This interview took place in 2009, when a remake of Fame was released, and Irene was very focused on a major music venture. Well, at the moment, I'm finishing up the final touches to uh, a double CD that features a, a band that I've put together of brilliant young female musicians and writers and singers and you know we're more of a band than a, than say a girl group. Is that hot caramel? Yes. You've been together a while now, haven't you? Yeah. Well, I, this project's taken most of this decade. You know, it's not one CD; it's two. You know, that I've pretty much financed myself and put together myself. So, uh, yeah. It's been a labor of love. <laughs> <laughs> what sort of music is it? It's pretty much adult contemporary. I would, you know, classify it. There's a lot of jazz on the record. Um, and then, you know, other tracks that are designed for uh, Top 40 radio, but still in a very adult, kind of mature, sophisticated sound setting. So will you be touring once the album's out? Yeah, hopefully, sure. And will that tour come to the UK? I hope so. I haven't been uh, in the UK in about well, ten years now. I used to, I lived there for about a year and a half in the mid nineties, and so it'll be nice to uh, to return there with the band, you know, introducing the, the new act. Where in the UK did you live, and why? Uh, we lived on Earl's Court. I was doing uh, some kind of musical theater type production that was like touring the UK for a while. And then I just decided to stay and just check it out, you know. So is acting on the back burner at the moment? Yeah, it has been. It has been through all this because I just, there's not enough hours in the day, you know, to focus on uh, on it. I mean, I, you know, I've put all of my money, my time, my effort into developing these girls and, and this music. And that's what I'm getting ready to uh, to put out there right now. But did there come a stage where they, you, you were told it's either acting or music now? No, no, it's not about that. It's not about that. It's, it's that I, I wanted to, to make a musical statement. And uh, to do that, I had to put all my time and energy into what I was trying to say. And also I wanted to be able to uh, transition into uh, gathering a new, a new audience, a new market, and doing the kind of music that I love, which is very, you know, grown-up, sophisticated uh, jazz-oriented music, you know. Mm. That's what I love. That's what I've always loved, even as a kid, you know. Um, even with my my favorite rock bands were bands that always had an element of jazz to them, whether it be Earth, Wind & Fire or Yes, mm. or Steve Winwood or, you know, Steely Dan. I remember as a child loving Traffic, you know, <laughs> which was a very jazzy band that Winwood put together. You know, I've always loved that jazz element, Chicago, blood, sweat, and tears with the horns and all of that, uh, big horns, big, you know, big chords. My musical taste has, has always been sophisticated. My brother is a jazz musician, and my dad was a mambo king musician, you know, right. yeah. in the Latin. So I was always exposed, even when I was coming up in New York as a young actress, to a very mature, diverse type of music. Uh, in musical theater, I'd sang Gershwin and Sammy Kahn and all of that and you know I mean it, it wasn't until really fame that I that, that, that uh, I got flung into the pop tart category you know but you said earlier you had a statement to make and there's things you're trying to say at the moment what sort yeah, of things well, I wanted I wanted to just make make a musical statement you know after 20 years of Madonnaism not to disparage her but I just wanted to be able to say that women can be about something else musically than just, uh, you know. Than just what? Just the visual, just the sexual gratuity, you know. 
just the stuff that we've been barraged with in terms of women's image and music yeah. along. I mean, when I was coming up in the 70s, you know, we had role models like Joni Mitchell and Carole King and, you know, even Diana Ross. There, you know, uh, it was just a bit Fleetwood Mac, uh, uh, Hart. You know, there was a bit more substantive images of women in music. Women who were incredible writers, you know, like uh, Valerie Simpson from Ashford and Simpson, who mm. all of those stunning hits for, uh, you know, the Supremes and for Motown acts. You know, it, it, it was just, it, 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 it hadn't become so superficial as it was beginning to, to be right about the 80s and all the way up to present time. Do you think the likes of Madonna and Britney have been bad influences then? No, but they've been the only attention. It's not that it's been bad. They're brilliant at what they do. But, you know, when it, when it becomes like, uh, it becomes a monopoly hold on, the, on what the kind of image that these executives want to continually promote in music, then there's a problem, you know? You've recently appeared on a Dancing with the Stars and So You Think You Can Dance. I think you, you made guest appearances, isn't no, that right? No, I, we did. Um, I really have an aversion to all of these God-forsaken talent shows. They really drive me crazy. So I've always, I've pretty much avoided the invites to do those. But I did do one, uh, Hit Me Baby One More Time, that was done here, just to introduce the girls to the television viewing public. And we won that show. But, uh, you know, I mean, everything being a, a bloody beauty pageant these days is another thing that's rather annoying to me. When I was coming up, we had variety shows. You know, you could turn on the television and just see your show. It didn't have to be a bloody contest. You know, uh, it, it's, gotten, it's gotten to be a bit much. So, it, so it's then wrong that you're credited with having done a guest appearance on So You Think You Can Dance and Dancing with the Stars. You never appeared no, on it. they asked me a million times, and I told them no a million times. Right, interesting. I mean, I, it does, I may do it in the future. I mean, it depends, you know, what I get out of it. I mean, I'm not, I really d don't like to be seen judging other artists. Yeah. You know, to me, I, I find it really childish, the whole thing. But, you know, it's that's all that's out there now. That's all they're producing, and that's the only way to freaking get on television, which is pathetic. So you think that the way they're auditioning people on things like America's Got Talent and X Factor and all that is, is the wrong way of... Again, I, I have an aversion to monopolies. When a certain thing, a certain, you know, shtick takes a hold, a stranglehold of the entertainment industry, concerns me. You know, because then anybody who has a creative new idea or wants to do something else and wants to do something a bit more substantive or more creative, you know, has a hard time. Yeah. Because everybody jumps on that bandwagon, and that's the only thing that exists. That's sad to me. Presumably, though, when you do tour with Hot Caramel, you will have to do your the hits you're known for. No, I don't think so. No, we won't. We won't have to do them. Because this is, all, you know, this is launching a, a whole new bag and uh, I'm not doing material from 30 years ago that has nothing to do with the music I'm doing now right. there's plenty of material there's 20 tracks you know you know that's what I'm going to be selling and how do you feel though when you do have to sing those songs on other occasions are you kind of tired of those uh, fame and flash dance well, songs it, it goes in ebbs I mean I've been up and down with it sometimes it's been unbearable and then other times it's been great uh, you know I'm at the point now where, you know, I, I don't feel I need to do that anymore. Why, what makes it unbearable? Well, because, you know, I, I, I've been writing all this new material for years, and, you know, when you get promoters who just want to hear, you know, hire you to sing your hits, who are only doing, you know, retro kind of shows, you know, I don't want to do that anymore. I've done it. It's been fun for a while, and then other times it's been horrible because it's, it's almost like, a, you know, they keep you imprisoned in the past, and I'm not going to allow for that. I've worked too hard creating new things and, and uh, creating new songs and formulating a new sound with these girls, with these women who are so talented and who I've, I've had such a wonderful time producing and learning from as well. That's what I'm uh, focused on now. We're talking to some people also about having our own television show. That's what I hope 
will uh, will come out of it. What kind of television show? Well, it, it, I guess they, they they call it a reality show because that's all anybody looks at now. But I won't look at it as that. It won't have the characteristics of most reality shows. It won't be vulgar. It won't be about our most private life stories. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to be about the music mm-hmm. and how we work together and how we create together. And you know, that's the kind of show I'm looking to to uh, develop around us. So who are the other girls, and um, what sort of musical background have they had? I, I started by just going around the different clubs in different states. They're mostly from the East Coast. Some are from Atlanta, some are from the New York area, some are from uh, Washington, D.C., some are from Florida, you know. How many of them are there? There's eight of us, <laughs> some guest artists as well. So you've kind of talent-spotted them, have you? you no, sort I of... hand-picked these women work on this project. And are you kind of the lead singer? On some songs, on some songs not. Like I said, they all write as well. You know, there's some songs from other girls who have written their own songs where they do the lead. But I've produced everything. Now, you've probably heard that they've remade Fame. Mm-hmm. Um, when did you hear about it, and how did you feel when you heard about it? Well, I heard about it when they started, when they started calling me up to, uh, to help promote it, you know? <laughs> to do all this press on it, which I've been, you know, I've been doing, uh, but I don't know much else about it. I mean, um, I know that it's PG, which I found a little odd. <laughs> because the original was... Was R, you know, was an R movie. It being PG, I'm kind of suspicious as to how much depth is going to be there, but I could be wrong. Are you not going to go and see it? Oh, I will go and see it. I can't do it right now. I was invited to the premiere, which... Unfortunately, I can't attend. I have to be in Italy that week. But, I, you know, yeah, I'm definitely curious to see it. You know, I mean, it's nice because it's generated a lot of press around me again. You know, I'm able to talk to the press about what I'm doing now with my, with my band, Hot Caramel. How much would you like to have been involved in this movie? No, I don't think so. I don't like looking back. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, I, I didn't do the TV series for that same reason, you know. I'm just kind of that funny that way. When I do a role, I've done it. You know, I don't want to keep doing the same role. You know, I'd like to. I'd like to be expansive and and creative and and constantly moving on to the next thing. I've always been that way. Does part of you think that the original should have been left as it was, and they shouldn't have tried to do another version well, of I it? I can't really judge that yet, Peter, because I haven't seen it. If I see it, it might be wonderful. Then. It'll just generate people's curiosity to see the original. So one, I think one thing can help the other. The original really is a classic, though, and it seems a shame to have even attempted to copy it, because it seems to be non-stop in the film industry now. They're just copying old successes. Well, look, I have, I have my critique of where the film industry is at, too, as well yeah. as where the music industry is at. I mean, it's, to me, it's just as bland in the film world as it's been in the music world far too long, you know. I mean, there are a few directors, I think, that are out there doing great things, but it's rare, you know. It's basically, we've become, you know, a public that's been dumbed down to, you know, going to movies to see Marvel comics, you know. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, every every blockbuster seems to be about uh, a cartoon character. It's very sad. So do I imagine that you still get lots of scripts, but you just turn them down because they're not up to it? Well, o- over the years I have gotten some scripts, and, you know, one's been worse than the next. So I, I have my own uh, hopes and aspirations for, uh, for the kind of films I want to do. I mean, I have written a few screenplays that uh, maybe down the line I can get developed. But mm. right now, like I said, my whole focus... I mean, this is my film, you know, sure. is, is this music and, you know, the, doing the videos to it and doing the tour and, 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 and making our mark back uh, in the record world with, with, with this group. Can you tell me, though, roughly what sort of films that you've been writing, though? What sort of scripts? Well, it's probably films that are hard to sell, you know, films that are about real characters and real societal subject matter, you know, like homeless children and runaways and things of that sort, the things that people don't want to look at. So, uh, you know, obviously I've, I've, I've just resigned myself to, 
to get, you know, realizing it's something I'm going to have to do independently. But, but, you know, I think the best films that are coming out, even under the radar, are from the, in, you know, the independent, the indie world. But I, I know you said you don't like looking back too much, but you know I'm going to ask you <laughs> nonetheless about mm. fame. I mean, it was a real defining role for you, wasn't it? In the way that it was internationally a big film. But I had done, you know, quite a few iconic things. I had been blessed that way. Being part of the Roots series was a blessing. I mean, that was pretty huge in my career as a kid. Yeah. And also even as a child with the Electric Company and Sesame Street and all of that. Because you did start at, what, five years old? Yeah, about. I mean, do you think, looking back now, that was a good idea? No, I don't. I think this is a very uh, unkind industry to children. And uh, I really think that, you know, kids who are so unbelievably talented, you know, should just, you know, develop their talent, keep up with their education, hang on to their childhood. And then once they turn 18 or so, you know, then decide whether they want to want to come into this this uh, this industry. But I I think uh, being thrust into it as a kid is it's a burden. It's a hard one to to get through and to grow up in. So who or what thrust you into it? Oh, my mother, of course. <laughs> stage <laughs> every mother. Child, every child uh, performer has a stage mother. Oh you know dear. <laughs> I I certainly had mine. Really? So was she trying to fulfill through you what she didn't achieve herself? Probably, you know. My dad was a very big star in uh, in the Latin music world, and when when he came to the came here from uh, from the islands from Puerto Rico in the fifties, you know, he was playing in all the big Latin clubs uh, in New York, and met my mom, and you know, then pretty much sacrificed his career for his family. Mm-hmm. You know, they had me in their forties. Oh. You know, I have uh, brothers and sisters that are uh, 10 and 12 and 15 years older than me, you know. Right. And are they not in the entertainment industry? Not really, no. Not anymore. But they were originally? Yeah, uh, a little bit. They didn't stick with it, though. Did your mum not want them to pursue it like you did? Yeah, she did. They had different interests after a while. So looking back, do you feel it was kind of forced upon you against your will, slightly? Well, I was always performing, you know. I enjoyed performing. I, I didn't enjoy being, being in, you know, all the time. I didn't enjoy it being a career so early in my life. That was difficult. What was difficult about it? Well, it's, you know, it's a rough business. I mean, I, at least I didn't have to go through, you know, the humiliation that so many... Uh, child performers go through now with all these damn TV shows uh, and these contests, you know, at least, you know, the contests that I was subjected to were, were televised, you know, around the world. So it was, you know, not half as bad uh, in my day as what it's become now for kids. Most people looking at your CV, your resume, would say, well, you were jolly lucky, you had a fantastic time, but were you not enjoying it at the time? Well, I, and, and, and in many aspects I was, but I'm just saying the business end of it was difficult, mm. you know, and being thrust in a world of adults constantly, you know, that's not, that's not healthy for a child. No. Do you have children? I don't know. No. So if you had had them, or if you do have them one day, you'd make steer well clear of show business, would you? Um, not, not, not until they're of age. Do you have mainly happy memories of of being a young actress and singer or yes i do i mean i did very well yeah uh, you did you know for being a person of color first of all in america and for the you know the kinds of uh, substantive roles i did as a young actress i'm you know i'm very blessed and very proud of uh, what i have achieved and so are my fans and i'm you know i'm grateful for that over the years, even then, did you experience much racism, much resistance to your colour? You know, I think it's worse now. <laughs> really? Yeah, I do. I do. What makes you say aspects. that? Well, because, you know, in, in the 70s, at least, you know, there, there were more opportunities. There were more substantive roles. There were more substantive stories being told about uh, people of colour than there are now. Right. You know, and I had a lot, uh, you know, many role models 
on television and in the movies that were, you know, people that I could aspire to, to be like and to look up to. And, it, you know, I was fortunate to even work with a few yeah. of my uh, idols, you know, my African-American idols in terms of uh, learning from them. And, you know, there was, there was a lot, there, it, was, it was much less stereotyped and, uh, you know, much more three-dimensional. I mean, I think a lot of the, bl the black characters you see now on screen are, are really, you know, it's a lot of buffoonery. And it makes money, so they keep doing it. But uh, there are very few stories that uh, I feel have any emotional impact anymore yeah. like they used to. So uh, did any of the idols you refer to give you any amazing advice when you were young? Like Sammy Davis Jr. or Roberta Flack, you know, Stevie Wonder, any of those sort of people? Bill Cosby? Yeah, Bill, especially Mr. Cosby, who who um, always, uh, you know, had an affinity to, to young people and to, and to mentoring young people. And I worked with James O. Jones, you know. Mm -hmm. Cicely Tyson was also a great inspiration for me. I worked with Diane Carroll, you know. That, that was an era when, uh, even though, you know, we were often overlooked, maybe for, for Academy Awards <laughs> mm. at that time, we did better on television, you know, the, you know, there were certainly a lot of uh, African-Americans winning Emmys in the television world at that time. And even through the whole black explo exploitation buffoonery, mm -hmm. there were still great films being made like Sounder and, you know, In the Heat of the Night and, mm -hmm. you know, all of Poitier's career was an inspiration that we could look back on, you know, uh, Harry Belafonte. I mean, you know, you don't, now everything is, 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 is it's about uh, effects and everything's a music video <laughs> in movies, yeah. you know? Yeah, I agree. There's nothing about any characters or stories anymore. Yeah. When I was coming up, you, you know, if you were hired as an actor, uh, a minority actor in a role, it was generally a lot more sub substantive than what what's available now. So nothing sort of really unpleasant happened to you directly as a result of your color or anything? Well, I, I think that the way I was treated in the record business after fame uh, and, and, you know, the whole fiasco that I went through legal, with, with, uh, legally trying to fight for getting my money, I'm sure race and sexism had a big part, big part in, that, in the way I was treated. Not having the right people around me to protect me from it didn't help either. So what was your favorite sort of moment of when you were very small and, and performing? What was your proudest achievement? Oh gosh, I, there were so many. Uh, my first film was a big deal, my first Hollywood movie. I was very young and I had to have my mother on the set and I had school four hours before I could film. And, <laughs> you know, that was a whole new world to me. Which film was that? It was a film called Sparkle. Sparkle, yeah. Which, you know, yeah. is uh, kind of a cult classic pretty much what Dream Girls was based on. You know, I had the title lead. You know, I was a very shy youngster with all this responsibility on my shoulders, but we had a wonderful director, the late Sam Osteen. In fact, that was the first film he directed. He was basically known as a famous editor. He edited Chinatown, uh, the Jack Nicholson, Faye Dunaway film. But um, he was lovely with me and worked great with me. It was also Joel Schumacher's first screenplay. So I met Joel when he was a youngster oh. on this. How much of your life as a youngster was show business, and how much was sort of... of really? <laughs> yeah. Is there much evidence of your career in your homes? Do you have, like, gold discs and uh, posters of films you've been in and so on? I, I did when I was married in the mid-'80s. Yeah, we, we had a nice little estate in Altadena, California, and, yeah, there was... All that stuff was up, and so was his. And he's a, he was... He is a stuntman. So, yeah, we had all our trophies around the fireplace. And may we know who you live with now? No, I'm not with anybody now. <laughs> Irene Carr is on her own. I can't I'm believe on it. My own, yes. <laughs> I'm on my own for a while now. I'm married to my career right now. Oh, dear. And to my, and to my music and to my company that I've, I've developed, my production company. It takes up all my time. Unfortunately, all my friends say I need to start stepping out some and dating again. I'll get around to it. <laughs> well, people always assume that people in your position must be absolutely like multi-millionaires, don't they? 
Yeah, well, uh, you know, I think even the wealthiest artists, you know, still are doing commercials or doing voiceovers. You know, you still have to pay mortgage and you have to send your kids to college. And, you know, hmm. all of that costs money. It's not like you sit on a heap of money that is constant. It's not, you know. You have to continually support yourself. And you said earlier you kind of married to your career. Are you still very ambitious then? Oh, yeah. Why? Yeah, a, well, because once you're an artist, you're always an artist, Peter. It's a part of your spirit, you know, and there's a lot of things artistically that I want to say and that I, you know, I want to do. Whether they're successful or not, I want to, I want to at least get them out there so that, uh, you know, I have a voice. It's interesting because earlier on you were saying you were kind of thrust into the business and you weren't that keen on it earlier on. What, what changed you to, make, to wanting it? and wanting more of it as I got older and as I got more successful you know I obviously that you know it, it's a miss it's a mixed blessing it's you know it's I didn't have to go through all the doubts and all the um, uncertainties that most youngsters go to go through about what am I going to be when I grow up you know but on the other hand you know it's, it's a very ugly industry to be in as a child so you know is there anything else that you considered doing for a living, or perhaps even wanted to break off and do at any point? No. Right. <laughs> so it's performing no matter what. Exactly. And did anyone say anything to you when you were young that said, like, you know, one day you are going to be a superstar or whatever? Oh, yeah, all the time. You know, mom, mom was always reinforcing that. <laughs> <laughs> And when you finally became a superstar, how did your mum feel about it? Was she over the moon, or was she still yeah, not satisfied? So she, was, she was thrilled. Both my parents, you know, sacrificed and worked hard uh, to get me where I am. You know, they worked two jobs. You know, we were pretty much middle-class family. You know, and I had to go to private special schools, and, you know, everybody sacrificed for me. So, yeah, it was very rewarding. But how much were you doing it for your parents, do you think? Well, at first, it was always for my parents as a child. But as you get older, you know, you start to own it. At what stage did you feel kind of more independent, that you were kind of doing it for yourself? Oh, I guess as, when I started getting into my teens, my early teens, adolescence and all of that, that's, you know, I've, I became much more motivated as a writer, as a songwriter, and as a singer, and, you know, I was really developing myself do you remember receiving the first script for fame and what what you thought of it i don't really i don't remember if i was sent an entire script or if i was just asked to read uh, a few pages of for the role i don't remember i do remember that i was never asked to sing because they knew i was a singer sparkle was out and it was already you know had generated a buzz and so they knew my voice was there a lot of uh, talk about this project before it came out, or did it take everybody by surprise? Well, Alan Parker, you know, had, had uh, distinguished himself with uh, Midnight Express, so everybody was kind of looking to see what he was going to do next, and this is what he did next. So. How did you get on with him? He was very good with me. You know, he was, you know, uh, difficult at times with other cast members. Uh, I guess maybe their roles were more demanding. Mm -hmm. Mine was pretty clear you know, what she was about. But as he was trying to develop and to to bring out more of a direction with the other characters, you know, yeah. he could he could be hard on some some of the other actors. But I don't want to speak for anybody but myself. And what was your favorite moment during the filming? Oh, the lunchroom scene was the most fun. Because a lot of it was impromptu. A lot of it you know, a lot of what they used, the footage that was used was filmed when we didn't know we were being filmed. So a lot of it was uh, non-scripted, impromptu stuff. How realistic do you think fame was to real drama schools in New York and well, so on? Well, it was very realis realistic in terms of that particular school because, you know, everybody that you saw in that movie, aside from maybe myself hmm. and maybe one other actor, uh, had gone to either one of those three schools. Juilliard, Music and Arts, and the School of Performing Arts. Those three schools, all of the student body that you saw on film came from either, you know, one of those three schools. 
And had you been to drama school yourself? I didn't go to a school. No, I had private teachers. I had gotten into uh, the School of Performing Arts for all three departments, and I couldn't go uh, after the auditions because they have a policy, and a, a good one, I think, of not letting their students work until after they graduate. And I had already had this career since childhood that, uh, you know, my, my parents and I sat and discussed it, and we didn't think it was the right move to, uh, to stop my career to, 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 to train at the school. One of the things we remember fame for in this country is the leg warmers. I don't know if you call them leg warmers in the States, but those... Yeah, that's what they're called, leg Did you have any at the time? No, and I had tons of leg warmers <laughs> all over the place, all in the closet, <laughs> all different colors. <laughs> Do you still have any memorabilia from that film? I have all my leg warmers, yes, Peter. <laughs> no. I, of course I do. <laughs> yes, I have my leg warmers. Have you got a closet full of leg warmers? I have a closet full of leg warmers, yes. Well, when you were doing the film, and presumably you saw the rushes and things like that, did you get a good feeling about how it was going to turn out? Did you start to think, wow, this actually is quite special? We had a good feeling just because of the com camaraderie um, amongst the student body. I mean, Alan was very good to to really thrust us into the whole vibe of the school. I mean, we had four hours of school before we filmed, of classes, in the, you know, the, 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 the different departments we were supposed to be in. I had four hours of dance before I filmed. The actors had, you know, four hours of acting class before hmm. we filmed. So, you know, it, it, it was a smart move to uh, really make us feel like we were, you know, a student body in, in, in this... Uh, in this very special school setting. What do you remember of the famous scene on the street where they were dancing in the street in the taxis? That season? took a week. I remember it just being hot <laughs> and taking all week <laughs> and how, you know, traffic was held up. And, you know, in New York, that, you know, <laughs> that's an abomination to hold up traffic. So <laughs> we had a lot of curious onlookers and then also a lot of really aggravated uh, New Yorkers trying to get to where they were trying to go. <laughs> you mean it wasn't actually just a film set? It really was a, a real you know, street? We were on West 46th Street. Really? Yeah. That's incredible. Mm -hmm. I thought it was just a film set. No. So at the time, did you kind of think, well, this is a bit silly, this is a bit crazy, but actually not realize it was going to be an iconic scene? You never know what how, you know, things are going to end up. You just, you're in the moment, you're trying to do your best work, and you don't think about those things. How did everybody feel about you doing these fantastic songs, the theme tune included? Were they a little bit envious that you were doing them? No, not at all. Were you treated a bit specially because of that? No, I was not. <laughs> we were all treated very equally. We all had an equal responsibility to, uh, to our characters. There was none of that, no. You know, I'd done a lot of musical theater, I'd done some children's albums, but, you know, I was learning my craft at the time, so it was, it was a great opportunity for me. And then you got to sing both songs at the Academy Awards, didn't you? Yes. It's the first time ever one person sung two songs, isn't it? Yes. And what was that like for you, the whole experience of singing at the Academy Awards? Oh, I, I just remember rehearsing a lot and working with the choreographers and the you know, the people uh, putting on the Academy show were uh, really good. I mean, they were, they were, I don't remember exactly who the players were right now, but I, I know that they knew their stuff, you know, and uh, I was in good hands that it was going to come off right. Do you remember meeting anybody really famous at the Academy Awards who may have passed comment Robert to you? De Niro backstage, that was, that was amazing. He was in the corner, like, nervous as hell. He had to present something. <laughs> and it was just so interesting to me to see, you know, big stars like that and uh, Gene Kelly, you know, coming around me. And ev everybody was, you know, it's something about the Academy Awards that humbles everybody, you know. I remember meeting Sally Fields backstage and she gave me a hug before she went on to present something. Wonderful moments like that. And you won absolutely hundreds of awards. What have you done with them all? Um, they're around the house. <laughs> I did give away some of my platinum records to the Hard Rock Cafe in Florida. But right. uh, the bigger awards, no, I kept. 
And after all the massive success of fame, did you want to be a pop star or an actor, a film star? Or did you have any particular... No, I do, you know, I do. a lot of people are, uh, always kind of ask me that, you know, what do you like more? You know, you, you, you don't... When you're, when you're a, a multifaceted artist like me, you don't put one thing over the other, you, you know. You do what you do, you know, when you... When an opportunity comes up to act, you act. When an opportunity comes up to sing, you sing, and that's it. You know, you, I, I, at least I don't. I'm not sitting back strategizing, you know. But do you think your career went the way you wanted to? And if you could go back in time now, would you do things differently? Oh, I think I, I, when you ask that of anybody, I mean, if they're, not, if they're being honest and genuine, would say, sure, there's things that I would change. What would you change, Irene? I would have been a lot less trusting right. with people handling my career. Uh, but, uh, you know, c having come up as a kid, you know, uh, you just instinctively put your trust in the adults around you. And I wish I had known more about, you know, just the nature of the beast, and I, I didn't, you know. I, I learned, I had to learn that the hard way. What was the hardest experience you had in that respect? Well, the music industry was was just maddening for me because I, I hadn't experienced such, uh, you know, unethical behavior before. What do you mean? What, what, what was unethical? Well, I mean, stealing people's money and, you know, blackballing you and for, you know, taking them to court. And I mean, it was, you know, all that nasty stuff that you, you know, you read about with other recording artists. I mean, it takes a toll on you. And I, I, uh, I, I guess, it was my thespian snobbery, but, you know, in the acting world, you know, we have unions mm. that protect you from uh, people abusing you. Mm. In the music industry, you don't, and that's the big difference, I think. It's much more of a street kind of industry, and, you know, it's all very corrupt, and, you know, the, the people who make it big are the ones who, uh, who are sponsored, <laughs> you know. And if you uh, are not with someone that, uh, some mogul sponsoring you, you know, it's, it's a much harder road. And I, unfortunately, had to turn on the mogul that was sponsoring me because he was stealing from me. And that made it difficult for me throughout the industry for a long time. Did you get everything back in the end? Were you compensated or yeah, you still... I, I, I didn't win the money that was stolen, but I won, obviously, my, my future earnings is what I live off of, you know. I, you know, obviously won the right to, to my royalties that had been denied me for so many years. And of all the amazing things that happened to you after fame, uh, what was the most thrilling? What do you look back on and think, wow, that was an incredible moment? Well, I enjoyed my, the, the appearances I did on the Oscars. I did three appearances on the Oscars where I was featured, and that was, you know, thrilling. I, but I've enjoyed, you know, the work that I've done, whether it be big or small. You know, I went on to do a, a movie with Burt Reynolds and Clint Eastwood, which was a lot of fun. Madeline so Kahn and all of that, and Richard Roundtree. And then I worked again with Richard uh, ten years later on a TV pilot, you know. So, I mean, uh, there's a lot of, you know. How did you feel about being internationally famous? Was it sometimes a problem? Did you have any problems at all? No, it gave me uh, the opportunity to travel and you know, see the rest of the world, and I loved that, I, you know. I, I enjoyed performing all over Europe and all over Asia and all over Latin America. And how much do you recognize these days? I'm recognized when, uh, when I want to be. <laughs> you know, I mean, even people in my communities where I live, you know, they, they recognize me as a neighbor now. Uh, that, to me, is more important. So I've been, you know, spotted a lot at the airport because I travel a lot. And uh, people are generally very sweet, and they come up and they compliment you, and then they, they know that you're running or catch a plane, you know. And, of course, the other great song we remember for is the Flashdance theme. And why weren't you in that movie as an actress? I have no idea. You should ask them. <laughs> Were you asked to be? No. Would you like to have been? Uh, no. <laughs> why is that? Because it wasn't meant for me to be. Okay. They came to me when the movie was done. To, to do the song. Right. So that was my role. And, uh, you know, I was just focused in, on, you know, that was the role, you know, the, the, the vocal role mm. in the film. You know, there was a lot of 
characters in that movie outside of just the characters. I mean, the dancing was another character. My role was the vocal aspect of the, of the you know, the soundtrack was another character. That's how I look at it. What did you think of that movie? Thought it was great. Thought it was fabulous. The dancing was fierce. I thought Jennifer was lovely. I enjoyed it. Have you got to know Jennifer or any of the... Have you remained friends with any of your no. sort of people you've acted with? <laughs> no. Most of my friends are musicians. People who have remained, you know, who I've worked with as fellow musicians, fellow singers, you know, fellow producers. Those are... Uh, not that I have many of them, but the ones that have remained friends in my private life have been all from that world. When they um, play Flashdance on the TV, they always use uh, footage from the movie. Did you ever make a, a video yourself for it? No, the movie was one big video. Why <laughs> should they? <laughs> there was no need. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, fair point. <laughs> but it really took you to a huge level, those two films, and, and even though you weren't in Flashdance, but the, the theme songs. Um, did you hope to stay at that kind of level, or did you always know it's a fickle business? You know, I just went about living my life, Peter. You know, uh, obviously, when you've been in the business since childhood, you know, and you're living your life, you, you learn after a while that there's other things to deal with in life besides a career. I helped raise children in my family. I had, you know, I take care of my mother now. Mm -hmm. I took care of my godmother. You know, I buried my father in the mid-90s. You, know, <laughs> you know, I dealt with uh, financial issues over the lawsuit, you know, and lawyers. I mean, there's... There's uh, a plethora of stuff that's just basic life stuff that you deal with uh, as a human being. Difficult. Regardless of whether you're in the arts or you're an accountant somewhere or, a, you know, a dishwasher. It's, it's all relative. You've, you've had a very tough life, really, haven't you, so far? I've had a tough life. I've had a good life as well. You know, uh, like I said, there's, there's been many blessings along with the rough rides. So you, you, you learn from them both. That's, that's, that's how you develop your character, Peter. Yeah, I appreciate that. It sounds like you've had more than your fair share of difficulties, though. Well, I've gotten through them. You know, I have to look at the, look at the upside of it. Mm. I've gotten through them. I can't sit and sulk about it. Would you like that to be a film of your life one day? Well, <laughs> it, would, it, would be very, uh, it would be very colorful, to say the least. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't thought of it, although it's been suggested to me. I'm surprised you haven't written your autobiography. Uh, well, I'm not dead yet, Peter. Well, you don't have to be. I mean, I'm not 70 yet. It's something down the road for me, Peter. Right now, I, you know, I've, I'm really focused on getting the music out and developing my company. That's, that's where my whole focus is right now. Uh, I'm sure I'll get around to my memoir someday, sure. <laughs> but I think I've got some time. <laughs> to what extent do you feel um, appreciated or given the credit you deserve? I, I think I am. I mean, I don't, I don't need to, you know, continually be kissed up to. I, that's not really part of my personality makeup, never has been. Um, and, you know, I don't kiss up to other people either. You know, uh, what uh, I appreciate in people is goes far deeper than their achievements. Uh, can you just tell me about working with Clint Eastwood, because we obviously love him as well over here. Any nice stories about working with him? He's lovely. He's very shy, you know. Uh, I know he's, he's he has this incredible machismo per, uh, image, but he's a very shy, sweet, lovely man who loves music, and he's, you know, got a great ear for music. I've really appreciated that from him when I, when I uh, was working with him. And Bert, it was adorable. Bert was uh, very sweet, very funny, very uh, down-to-earth. I, I enjoyed them both. And is there anyone else that you haven't worked with that you would just kill to work for? I'd really want to work with Julie Tamer. Right. I think she's probably one of the finest directors out there. And her being a, a woman director as well is is very inspirational to me. I think uh, her films are remarkable, and uh, I think she's a remarkable talent, and I, I would give anything to work with her someday. Obviously, we only recently lost Michael Jackson. Did you ever meet him? Yes, yes. I met him at the height, the pinnacle of his stardom, and the whole thing was very tragic here. It's been very sad for us here in the States. We've lost a lot of great, great 
stars, beloved stars. We lost Patrick Swayze yesterday. Yep. It's been a year of a lot of death, and, um, you know, we're a bit exhausted from it all. Can you just tell me about meeting Michael Jackson? Where were you? When was this? And oh, around the Grammys, when, uh, around Thriller, the Thriller era. And uh, I was just, you know, I was just thrilled to, to be nominated with him, you know. Uh, I mean, I had, uh, we, we had similar backgrounds. We both started as children. I had idolized him as a child, you know. I'm a little, not that much, a couple of years younger than him. So, you know, it was, uh, it was something at, at that point to be standing there with him. He was so sweet and shy and kind of hanging on to Brooke Shields backstage. <laughs> 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 but they were both so cute, you know. Did he say anything to you that you oh, remember? Yeah, we talked a little bit. And, but I remember having, uh, hanging out with uh, Tito and having dinner with Tito and his family. Tito was married to a beautiful Puerto Rican lady at that time, who right. unfortunately passed away. And uh, I, re I remember uh, befriending them for a while. And, uh, and then I met Jermaine last year on some silly television reality show that I, I left mid midway because the whole thing was just too silly for me. But it was great meeting Jermaine. You know, I, I, my heart goes out to him and the rest of the family. I hope you don't mind me asking about Donna Summer, but I know that some people have compared you over the years, and it's not been your favorite subject. What, what do you feel about that whole well, I've issue? I've met Donna, too, and I've been to her house and had dinner with her and her husband and her beautiful kids at the time. They were little, and I'm sure they're beautiful grown women now. Hmm. I mean, she was lovely. She was absolutely lovely to me. Her husband was lovely to me. You know, we had mutual friends. She's a real, really classy lady, and... Um, you know, obviously uh, the, the comparison is because I, we, we were basically working with her producer. So he basically gave me a lot of her sound because it was his sound. And that was another thing that I was rebelling against at a point with my record company. You know, I, I, you know, I, I had a lot, a lot to, that I wanted to say musically in terms of my own sound. You know, obviously uh, out here on my own uh, is pure Irene Cara. Whereas fame is is more of a Donna Summer sound, but you know, obviously, I wanted to get my music out there, my songs out there that would uh, be more identifiable with Irene Cara. But you know, being an actress, when you're hired to play a role as a singer, then you're you're singing a character. Mm. You're not really singing yourself, you know. And I was very good at both. And did she say anything to you that, you know, did, did you no. talk to her about the whole no. issue? No, It was, I mean, she was, she's not a dummy. She, she knew what was going on, just like I wasn't a dummy when Flashdance came around. Sure. I knew why they called me. It was a, an obvious thing for them to, you know, to promote Flashdance, to connect, you know, fame to Flashdance. So yeah. I obliged. That's what I was hired to do. Do you think if there was ever a, a request to do a big tour like they do those divas concerts and you and Donna Summer Gloria Gaynor or whatever, would you all get together and do a big concert because it would be so popular? Well, it, it depends on a lot of things. It depends on how it's put together, you know, who the people are involved. Obviously, money is an issue. But sure, I think we would. You once worked with Lou Reed, is that right? Yeah, I did. I sang background for Lou Reed. <laughs> 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 which was one of the most bizarre things because the subject matter of the song was incredible <laughs> it was just the weirdest thing which song was that? oh I can't even tell you <laughs> let's just say it was not for a family really? <laughs> <laughs> what was he like? was he very weird? He, he was sweet he was fun and we laughed through the whole thing because the subject matter was hysterical it was like some kind of spoof song, so we hmm. had a good time doing it. And one or two people from show business have gone on into politics. Uh, has it ever occurred to you, because you, you know, you're a very outspoken person, you speak your mind, or has it ever appealed to you, politics? I, I'm very dedicated in trying to you know, up, uplift the, the life of women and children around the world. I mean, anything to do with that is something I would genu genuinely want to get involved in. Well, I imagine... You get asked to do a lot of charity work and so on. And I haven't uh, really done much charity work in a while. I did a lot of it, um, like I said, in the late 80s, early 90s. But then, you know, I was so involved in my own battles, Peter. It was, yeah. it was hard to even have the time to, to do that. 
I hope you don't mind me asking this, but the music industry is renowned for drugs. Is, is that an area you've managed to avoid quite happily, or is it just impossible to avoid it sometimes? I was very fortunate that, you know, I had my little drug moments in the um, maybe late 70s to early 80s. You know, I mean, I kind of got over it quickly, I, you know, and I, I never got into anything hard. When they started smoking it, that's when I decided that uh, I'd had enough. Right. And, uh, I walked away from the whole thing. You know, my only drug of habit now is quite, it's nothing that I'm proud of, but it's quite legal, is tobacco. You know, I, I, do, I do smoke, and uh, that's, you know, I have to get over that now. How much get, do you smoke, I'm at the age where, I, where it's affecting me, especially in the morning when yeah. I'm trying to talk. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> How much do you smoke? About 20 a day or something? Or? No, I don't know, Peter. Don't ask me. Okay, but it's tough, isn't it, when you've got a fabulous voice you're supposed to be protecting? You'd be surprised how many singers smoke, how many great singers smoke, and how many have smoked all their lives. I don't want to be one that ends up, you know, being a smoker all my life, so, you know, I, I definitely have to uh, walk away from it like, like I did uh, 20, 25 years ago from other stuff. In, in hopefully many decades to come, um, how do you want people to remember you? Well, I've been very fortunate to have had so many blessings from my fans, you know, and I just hope that continues. I get many well-wishing wishes and, and love from fans all over the world on my website, on my MySpace page. That I cherish that, you know, that I meant that much to people, especially people around my age group, you know, who came up with me. That means a lot, you know, and that even youngsters who were not around when I, you know, was at the pinnacle of my career, know me and, and uh, appreciate my work. And, that you know, that's all you can hope for from people, that, that uh, you meant something to people. That's all you can hope for with the work you do as an artist. But do you mind the fact that no matter what you do, even in the future, you're always going to be best remembered from fame and flash dance? No, that's, not, that's nothing to not be proud of, you know. I mean, that was an era... It was a moment in pop culture that meant a lot, and I'm, I was, I'm glad I was a part of it.